Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. So, uh, mentioning about sport and how it can be an inspiration and uh, unfortunately it uh, can also be a place where uh, occasionally uh, we hear of and experience tragedy and um, that was certainly the case uh, when Anthony Foley, the Munster rugby legend, uh, passed away um, in Paris um, and uh, 2016 and now and uh, time certainly uh, passes uh, quicker than we might think at times. Bridget and I used to go to all the matches together and all the times we'd cheer and sing There Is An Isle and he'd be the one that you'd be thinking of for that song especially and you know such happy memories the games we couldn't go to we'd get together and watch him and cheer from there and be just as hoarse as I am now He <laughs> <laughs> was fantastic we, we're coming here since the AIL was at its peak when he used to be playing great matches against Raj Cork Con here in Thomond Park and supported him all down through the years so very sad today huge loss for Munster for Limerick you know I suppose what brought me out here today was just the memories of all the nights we were here in the freezing cold you know cheering him on you know and he gave everything and he you know being from Limerick and being so proud of a Limerick man well I suppose a Clare man technically but you know played for Shannon and that and synonymous I suppose with yeah. that period of success for Munster so he brilliant you know and those were the voices of some of the fans uh, the day after Anthony Foley uh, died uh, in October 2016 well TG Cahar are airing a program based on the career profile of the legendary Munster player and coach played for Ireland as well of course um, Axel Munster's Heineken Cup journey is uh, on uh, Friday the 14th of August and uh, joining me uh, now is uh, director uh, Kieran Hartigan and uh, uh, former uh, Munster player himself, uh, Duncan Casey, and you're both welcome. Good morning to you. So, uh, Kieran, just explain uh, the background to this particular program. Um, uh, thanks, Joe. So, um, this documentary was made back in 2008, I suppose, to mark Anthony's retirement as a player. Um, it was, I suppose, part of the testimonial events to a certain extent that were happening at the time. Um, but it was just a great opportunity, I suppose, as Anthony retired to reflect back on a career that really had straddled the amateur and the professional era. Um, when Anthony and I and the production team looked at it, we saw that really Munster's entire Heineken Cup journey is a story that could be told through Anthony's story. So it was really uh, a fantastic project to work on because we got to bring together a lot of the Munster stalwarts and Anthony's contemporaries. So going back to guys like Pat Marie and, and Noel Healy, uh, and then uh, players who were still playing, <coughs> excuse me, at the time of Anthony's retirement, Paul O'Connell, Quinney, uh, I suppose guys who had just recently retired, like Galway and Peter Clausen, and to bring them together to watch clips from these games over the years and get their insights into various those matches. And in many cases, they were watching that for the first time. Uh, and of course, as, as Duncan will probably uh, well know, there's plenty of slagging and um, messing going on through it as well as they're watching the clips. Yeah, and where was it originally screened, Kieran? It was actually it was originally a uh, commercial DVD release, um, which might speak to its length. I think it runs to almost two hours, uh, which you would never get away with in a broadcast environment. Uh, it would have to go back. So, so actually, Friday night TG Car screening is a television premiere. Right. So there are lots and lots of people listening this morning who may never have seen this. 
Uh, quite possibly not. I know it was it was a very pos- uh, very um, uh, popular uh, gift item at the time that Anthony had retired. But the, yeah, there may, may be a lot of people who haven't actually had an opportunity to see it. I haven't seen it, so I'm really looking forward to it. But, but I have seen the the method used in other um, documentaries of your know, people sitting there who participated in games, watching parts yeah. of those games, and chatting uh, about them. And you know, it really does work, doesn't it? Well, I just think there's nothing better than than hearing it from uh, the horse's mouth, so to speak. And I think. It's one thing to, and again, Duncan, I'm sure we'll have plenty of, of experience with this. It's one thing just to sit somebody there cold and ask them about a particular game and have for them to relay the rec- recollection. I think it's quite another for them to actually be watching the footage as they're speaking to it, uh, which is what we did. Um, we shot this in the bell table, actually, uh, at the time and uh, and has set it up as a cinema for all intents and purposes and we're projecting the uh the matches up onto the screen and I suppose it's also worth noting that all of the games that we selected for review uh, were games that Anthony had highlighted himself as as, um, as real I suppose uh, markers and milestones along the way of Munster's journey Okay, we're chatting to Kieran Hartigan telling us about the television premiere of Axel Monstrous Heineken Cup journey this Friday the 14th of August at a quarter past 10 on uh, TG Cahar um, and uh, I mentioned Duncan Casey is uh, with us as well uh, and Duncan, I mean, have you experienced that yourself that games you played in you have a certain memory of and then maybe watching them back it gives you a different perspective? Hi Joe, hi Kieran, and uh, yeah, just just to touch on what you said, Joe, I, I haven't actually seen um, the film either, so I'm really looking forward to seeing it on Friday. So I'm one of those people that haven't seen it yet, but uh, you're you're definitely right. You, I, I think every player, even someone like Axel who played uh, so many games and uh, and was so successful throughout his entire career, I'm sure he even had games in his head that uh, would have stood out. And everyone has those moments within those games that uh, are particularly special to you and. Uh, uh, I, I think a lot of players don't necessarily like watching back over games. Certain guys do. I'm a huge fan of it myself, but um, I'm really looking forward to seeing um, the, the film on Friday because, uh, as I said, Axel achieved so much throughout his career that I'm sure um, whatever games stood out for him were particularly special. Yeah. Um, uh, and I think when Jack Charlton passed away, I was thinking of Anthony in that context because you look at Charlton's playing career as a, a one club man, and then obviously he went on to be a very successful manager club wise, and then mm-hmm. with the Republic of Ireland. And, and, and of course, you know, Anthony was on that journey, and, and who knows where it might have led. I mean, he, he died as such a, a young man, Duncan, but had packed so much in. That's right. And I was thinking about this just before I came on, and you probably won't see a figure like that and a journey like that in Irish rugby again because, as Kieran mentioned, his career straddled both the amateur and professional eras and uh, you just won't have a situation any longer where a guy that's really promising come out of school will, uh, will play for a sustained period of time with his club and potentially win AILs kind of regularly, as Axel was fortunate enough to do, and then move up to the ranks into Munster and then ultimately to Ireland and then subsequent to that, uh, staying around and getting involved in coaching and, and kind of mimicking the journey again, starting with the 20s and working the way up to the senior side. Uh, because nowadays, basically, if, if a guy comes out of school, just given the nature of the game now and the fact that it's so professional, he'll very rarely tag out for his club. And chances are, within a year or two, he'll be playing quite regularly for uh, for whatever province he's with. So I think Axel's uh, journey in particular is quite unique and Kieran mentioned battles that he would have had with Raj and or sorry not, not Kieran but one of the speakers mentioned battles that he would have had with Raj and 
Thoman Park and uh, that was the thing back then is lads that were playing for Ireland or, or for the various provinces were regularly going toe-to-toe in their club jerseys as well and uh, that, that, that I think that gives people in the locality an attachment to someone uh, that, that achieve, goes on to achieve so much at a professional level that you might necessarily get nowadays. There's just this feeling that they were really part of the community and that they were really embedded in the club rugby system and uh, uh, unavoidably so just because rugby has, has continued to become more and more professional. That's just not very common anymore. Yeah. And Duncan, I mean, I presume you would have seen him as uh, you know a hero and then obviously you got to know him. Tell us about that. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, my kind of playing career mimicked Axel's coaching career in the sense that he coached me uh, my first year of school when I was playing for the Munster 20s and then ultimately with the Munster A's and then he became forwards coach for the senior team uh, while, I, while I was kind of just, just getting my first crack of the whip and then he was the head coach when I kind of had my best, uh, my best spell of games at Munster. So, um, it, like, obviously, he was a larger-than-life figure and like understandably every young guy coming out of school has him on such a pedestal uh, when you're coming out and he's the guy that's coaching you uh, in your first kind of big opportunity in a monster jersey under 20 level so um, it's a little bit daunting initially but I mean everyone uh, everyone that knew Axel uh, even moderately well knew that he he loved having the crack he was an easy going guy and he was uh, he was uh, a great laugh to be around and uh, I remember actually when the book and, and the DVD were being released we it was around that time. It would have been summer 2009, I think. And uh, we had come back from Kilkee after a kind of a team bonding session down there. And we were in the Corrigour uh, having a couple of points. And there was plenty of slagging going on back and forth about the, the book that had just been released. So um, he, he could relate to the experiences of players potentially in a, in a way that a lot of other guys don't who, who haven't necessarily come through uh, the system and the players that they're now uh, uh, carving out a coaching career in. So I think he gave a unique perspective to a lot of young guys. And um, I think from, from a fan's point of view as well, it, it's always uh, it's always particularly satisfying to see a local guy that has such a strong attachment to the community um, go through the ranks as a player and be very successful and, and go through the ranks as a coach as well. And as you say, um, who knows where his career would have gone if... Um, uh, he didn't very sadly pass away long before his time, but um, I, I think a lot of people were very satisfied to see him come through the ranks and get that opportunity to both be a captain at Munster and be a head coach down the line as well. Yeah, you know, I was on my own staycation over the last couple of weeks and I was uh, reading rugby books. I know I'm a very exciting guy, what can I tell you? Um, and it was amazing to um, read about players who played and getting to passages about Anthony Foley and just having to check yourself and say, I mean, there are a lot of guys an awful lot older than him featured in these books um, who, who are still with us and, and he isn't. That's right, yeah. I mean, look, he was 42. Um, I mean, a, a tragic age for anyone to pass away and uh, uh, it, it is it's kind of quite difficult to get um, to get your head around still. I mean, you said there's, you know, it was October 2016. It's 34 years ago now and the time really has just flown and um, I, I suppose it, it's great to see that uh, he, he's still at the forefront of, of so much conversation when it comes to rugby uh, four years later and I'm sure um, in another 10 or 20 years people will still be talking about him regularly and about uh, uh, what a great guy he was, what a great player he was and uh, and what he might have achieved as a coach uh, if his life hadn't been taken so soon. 
Yeah, we're chatting to former Munster uh, rugby player Duncan Casey and uh, also to the director of uh, this uh, programme that is having its TV premiere on TG Cahar this Friday at 10.15 about uh, the late Anthony Foley, Axel Munster's Heineken Cup journey. Um, Kieran, obviously it is only a part of the story because of when it was made and, and he went on to that coaching career that Duncan talked about after that. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's it, it's a moment in time, Joe. It, 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 as Anthony was coming to the end of his career, I think Munster had just won the Heineken Cup for the second time in 2008 when we were in production on this. Um, it's it's quite poignant for that, I think, when you look back, because apart from the the, the passages where all of the guys are reviewing the uh, the game, um, there are pieces in there about Anthony's <coughs> excuse me, his home life, also his time in St. Munchen's, uh, growing up in Killaloo, his international career, um, and you get a real sense of the guy. I think, you know, I hope you get a bit of a sense of the, the sense of humour that he had that Duncan referred to. Um, and I might just add, I know you put the question to Duncan, but Anthony would certainly have been a hero of my I would be an older, uh, uh, in an older bracket than Duncan, but he was certainly a hero of mine as a, as a, as a, a rugby supporter growing up. And uh, they had always said you should never meet your heroes, but I would say that in Anthony's case, he was absolutely the exception. He was, he was just a great guy to work with on this project. Yeah. Um, and and yeah. You, what's your favourite moment yourself from what people will see on Friday night? Um, I mean, there's a few, it's a great question. There's a few pieces. I think Peter Clossie and Mick Galway are, um, I liken it to Statler and Waldorf off the Muppet Show. I mean, their, their appearances throughout are just, um, you know, there, there's a, a deep vein of kind of slagging going through it the whole way. So there's plenty of humour in that. I think that at one stage, there's, uh, I mean, personally, and uh, as I say, it's quite poignant now, I think that there's a, a piece about Anthony and Olive uh, that, I, that I always liked, but looking at it now, I think, as I say, it's quite poignant. Um, but there's actually, you know, with, with the... <coughs> excuse me, Joe, sorry. With the... The the humour that that's throughout it. There's also some quite human moments as well. And there's one, I think, Duncan, when you were talking about looking back at, at painful moments, you know, there's one where Raj is looking back at that that uh, very close kick against Northampton in the 2000 final to go ahead. And uh, I think at that stage, Ronan has only seen that clip maybe two or three times since. And you can tell that it's a very painful experience. And, and it, you know, the players were reviewing the footage two by two. So it was Anthony and Ronan were the pair that were looking at it. And, um, and I think Anthony just takes the time to reassure Ronan that, you know, it wasn't just that missed kick. There were other reasons for it. And I think it's, it's a, from the outside looking in, I think it's tender is possibly the wrong word, but it's a very gentle moment between a captain and his out half to say, look, that wasn't you. There, there were other factors at play. Now, Ronan comes back and says, yeah, you can look at the other two kicks that I missed on the day as well. Which, <laughs> which is quite funny, but but I, I do like that, that there there are times when you can see Anthony's very protective side coming out like that. Um, and then, of course, finish, because even though the documentary was made in 2008, we really culminate in the 2006 final. Uh, and I think just watching Anthony looking at that, you can you can you can really sense how proud he was to be the person after so many who had gone before. Um, you know, you almost don't want to get into naming people in case you forget anybody, but all the players, Peter Claus uh, and McCallway, um, you know, Langford, uh, Jim Williams, all those guys who had gone before. Yeah. Um, 
just that sense of pride that Anthony had, I think, to be the one to lift. And it was so totally appropriate that it was Anthony to lift that trophy. And Doug, if we just look forward for one moment, there, there is this plan to get um, rugby back into provincial rugby at the Aviva Stadium uh, in a couple of weeks' time, and then uh, you know a lot of proposed matches being packed in between then and the end of the year. But then we put that against what we're all experiencing again now, and wonder, well, what is going to happen? Yeah, it's a very difficult one, Joe. I, I'm sure all like every player at every level now um, in Ireland is just itching to get back playing. I know I, I met a couple of the Shannon lads this morning, and they're all just dying to get a game of rugby under their belt. And the professional lads are no different. Um, uh, I'd say, particularly at professional level, there's a degree of uh, kind of apprehension, maybe, about the fact that they they've gone so long now without a game, and guys will be, uh, I would imagine. Be protective of themselves and their bodies because uh, if they had been carrying knocks into this period, it's it's, uh, it's a, a kind of a very unusual situation to, to put yourself in if you're managing yourself already. But um, yeah, I mean the, the scheduling is pretty hectic, and I suppose it has to be just with regard to uh, all the boxes that need to be ticked from last season and uh, straight into next season. So uh, I know from a, a player management point of view, it's going to be challenging. Fortunately, in Ireland. Uh, the, the, the provincial players are looked after by a distance better than they are in, in England and France so the Irish players will definitely be at an advantage there but I mean ultimately you're, you're at the mercy as you say Joe of what happens not just here but elsewhere as well I mean um, we're we're kind of um, we're caught a little bit in the fact that we only have four teams in Ireland and we play uh, in a league with teams from four other countries whereas teams in England and France don't have that issue so they can kind of continue to play domestically without too much worry about what's going on uh, elsewhere but I mean ultimately when it comes into next season and whenever flights uh, do resume routinely um, it, it's very much going to be at the mercy of what every other jurisdiction is doing as well so um, I'd imagine it's a stressful time for players and uh, uh, it's a stressful time for fans as well that are just hoping everything will go go off without a hitch but I mean as we've seen uh, I, I don't know if you, if you heard about what's happening in Scottish football at the moment yeah. but you know uh, guys in Aberdeen and Celtic um, uh, broke the restrictions and, and like the whole league is verging on shutting down. So uh, I would be confident that none of the lads here in Munster or, or in the other provinces would be foolish enough to do something like that. But even with the best will in the world, I mean, there's no guaranteeing that, um, that there won't be a, a case or two in one of the provinces and that they'll have to cease operations. So it's very unpredictable. Um, the scheduling is there, but it's going to be a very grueling year for guys, particularly leading into the Lions Tour next year. I mean, they're looking at almost 14 months of consecutive rugby, I think, uh, between now and the end of that tour. So um, it's going to be very challenging from a, a, a player management point of view. And I would just hope that um, clubs and, and uh, clubs and the unions in each of the countries can, can look out for the welfare of their players and uh, try and make allowances for that when they can. All right. Well, listen, great to chat to the two of you. A former Munster rugby player played in Grenoble in France as well, of course, Duncan Casey and uh, director of, of uh, this uh, programme. We're talking about Axel Munster's Heineken Cup journey, Kieran Hartigan. Uh, thanks a million. Uh, that's uh, on Friday, uh, 10.15 on TG Cahar and it is uh, the TV premiere of uh, this programme. Let's go into the break uh, with uh, another of the fans, Katie McCloskey. Just people out here, kind of, no one knows what to do with themselves. There's just kind of an eerie silence out here. I think it's a testament to Anthony Foley how much he meant to people. I mean, I've said it a few times that he was the hero of the span generations. Um, everyone is just blown away by it. No one really knows what to do. Um, 
we're kind of opening the clubhouse now to come together as a club. I think the team kind of want to be together and be here, but just absolutely devastated. Um, I suppose, look, our condolences go out to his family. I mean, his two sons and his wife, Olive. It's absolutely tragic. I mean, you can't even start to get your head around it. Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95.